we're having a special edition. I feel like we need special edition music. Special edition breaking. Bum, bum, bum. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away. Slam the door. I don't care what results you got. Let the team rage on. The fans never bothered me anyway. <laughs> the fans never what? The fans never bothered me anyway. Oh, I hope we didn't bother him. No, I'm ta- the song is from Sunil Galati's perspective. Oh, uh, my bad. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. I, I, I was listening to it from the wrong perspective. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this special edition of Drunk Fans. As soon as the news dropped, Gab and I knew we had to record. Gab, what are you drinking to get through this tumultuous time? Mmm, scotch, scotch, scotch. What kind of scotch? Glen, Glen Livet, Glen Liveter, Glen Liveter, something like that. The Glen Livet? Yeah, that one. I'm drinking plain old Johnny Walker Black. Ooh, I love it. I have a bottle of Lagavulin in the house, but I feel like I should drink that for happy occasions. I want to save it. What you're telling me is you're not happy about this. No, I, I'm not happy. Obviously, neither you nor I are U.S. soccer insiders, so we can't ever truly know what happened unless, you know, one of us gets married to a women's national team player. Or unless Hope Solo writes another book. That's true. Or unless unless Sunil writes a book at some point after he's or retired. Tom, or Tom writes a book. You realize what Tom's book is going to be? It's going to sound like a fucking greeting card. He's going to be so, like, docile and classy. And laid back. Where were you when you heard the news? And by heard, I mean saw the tweet. The tweet heard around the world. I, I was in the kitchen making toast. I came in. I was in my room. I sat down and saw, like, my timeline had lost its mind. <laughs> I think I was only, like, 10 or 15 minutes late to the news, but that was enough time for everything to just burst into flames. <laughs> oh, man. It yeah. was like... It was like a Smokey the Bear commercial where some camper flicks a cigarette butt, and then a minute later, the entire forest is gone. Pretty much. That's actually a really good uh, analogy there. I, I was watching Game of Thrones. and we... That's also pretty fitting. And um, so everybody kind of panicked overnight. And then today, the president of U.S. soccer, Sunil Galati, had a press call to answer questions, except he didn't answer shit, did he? I would love to, I'm going to listen to the recording after this, because I would love to hear what the questions actually were that were asked, and if he just completely dodged them, or if the questions were just, like, vague enough to give him an out. I I believe someone asked him outright, did players come to you and ask you to to fire um, Tom Sermani? And then during the live tweeting of the, uh, of the conference, I think someone basically said, Someone asked him outright, "Did was like Abby Wambach behind this?" And he said, "No, it wasn't. No players came to him. He said that they spoke to players and staff as part of their evaluation of Tom's money. That it, like this evaluation period had actually existed since before the Algarve, and that there were certain issues. But then he declined to say how far before the Algarve it started and what these specific issues were. That." So, Okay. (laughs) 
You're so eloquent when you're sober. And then he goes that the Algarve results weren't what we hoped for, so they played into it, and it's like, oh, so you guys were taking Algarve pretty seriously, unlike everybody else. Yeah, it's it's one of those interesting things where um, whenever you start a new job, or at least at that level, you usually go through like um, ev periods of evaluation where like, let's say you have goals for the first three months and at the end of your third month, you evaluate, you know, how are you doing on the new job? And then you set new goals for, you know, the, the next three months or the next six months or whatever. And, and so I got the sense that, that, yeah, you know, we, we have been evaluating Tom this entire time and, you know, we, we just didn't like the direction the team was going. So, so we decided do it now or we're really screwed for the world cup, which is what in like 16 months or 12 months or something like that, like 14. And so you, you have this, this evaluation period I'm just channeling Julie Foudy and and all that she was putting out last night and today of how this just looks bad because somebody should have righted the ship with Tom months ago if they thought it was going at the wrong direction. Right. Money himself said he was stunned. So obviously, even if they did have a talk with him, whoever whoever's job it was to make clear to Tom that he had benchmarks to meet or else he was going to get fired failed miserably right could you imagine so, being the players like so one one thing i i thought about last night i was like i wonder how alex morgan found out about this i'm sure there was a mass text or an email yeah i'm, I'm sure there was but i just love playing it out in my head that she found out on twitter because <laughs> you know that uh, one time they scheduled the game and she was like oh wow it's amazing to know my work schedule thanks twitter yeah players finding out they've been signed to NWSL teams on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's awesome. I, but you gotta imagine U.S. Soccer at least sent out an email like 30 minutes before they posted it to Twitter that Tom was fired. Well, they definitely stole all the players' smartphones and computers. Can you imagine Aaron Heifetz going through and saying, hey, can I borrow your smartphone? I'll give it back to you in a couple hours. Can can you imagine tomorrow. can you imagine them going through and just with like a pillowcase being like, Okay guys, all of your items in the pillowcase. I mean some people are saying we shouldn't be quick to judge players and there's been a lot of emphasis that there was no player quote unquote revolt and that it was just that players coming to I guess US Stalker and expressing concerns was only part of it. But if, if Tom Sermoni is known for one thing, it's for being open mm -hmm. to talking. Mm -hmm. So why didn't these players feel like they could go to Tom? <laughs> Who are they? You know, I feel like if you have a problem with management, your first step is to go to them directly and say face-to-face, -face, these are my problems, what can we do to solve them? You don't go over somebody's head. Or you do if you are certain you want the result that you want. Yeah, and you... To be fair to those players, maybe it was bad enough that they needed that result more than they needed to follow any chain of command. Right. We, we have no idea what the chain of command in U.S. soccer actually is. We don't know what the actual situation is either. I mean, it seems like everything at least was emotionally healthy. Seems. But to, yeah, to, to, to a degree. It's, it's, just, it's just really interesting um, seeing... The reactions to all of this worldwide um it's really interesting seeing players in europe players in australia players in asia 
just be like, what? Yeah, that's like that's the other thing. Like people who didn't get along with the guy. Like what is going on? And and you know, it's it, it, that's telling of a person's character. And yeah, everybody's saying he's class. He's class. He's like, yeah, we knew that. You you don't you don't get hired to this job um, if you're a douche unless you're Greg Ryan. I'm glad you added that caveat. Right. Right. Well, the other thing that occurs to me though is like in any job you have to separate personal and professional and I think there were some implications that Tom while being a really great guy really classy as we saw in his interviews like hours after he got this firing dumped on him he could be I think people suggested he was too laid back I think the phrase one person used was in this situation you don't want a friend you want a you want a benevolent dictator and that his style was maybe too laid back for this team. So so you want a situation like Pia where nobody can break in. She doesn't want to try anything new. Um, and we're just going to keep banging our heads against the wall until we see results. Goro, you know I don't want a Pia repeat. Please. Oh, I know. I know. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, we've seen both sides of the coin within the last four years. Yeah. Well... If you want to find a happy medium, then I think your first step, once again, needs to be go to Tom and be like, look, this is how players respond on this team anyway. I think that's I think that's a very American thing, responding to benevolent dictator-style coaching. Because in my experience, anyway, American athletics, there's a lot of, you know, keep your head up. If the coach yells at you, you, you take it and say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. You know, and then you improve your performance instead of whining. It's you gut it out, you know? So the interview that I'm really looking forward to is whenever Sydney LaRue starts talking about this. Because um, she's broken out under Tom. Yeah. And I, I, I would be really interested to hear, like, how did she respond to his coaching style versus how she responds to any other coach she's played for. I would be interested in hearing Sid's take. Um, and Kristen Press, because Kristen Press is, I think, the Tom Stermani is Alex Morgan is the Pia Sundaga in that they both kind of really got their starts with their respective coach. I mean, yeah, I would like to hear from all players, but yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point with Sid LaRue. Like, I think Sid or Alex maybe would be a good person to listen to on compare and contrast. Yeah, I mean, Alex has more of the contrast, um... You know, Sid was pretty open in, in an article either late last year or early this year about how Pia put her on the bench, um, made it very well known that's your role on this team. And uh, you know, I'd I'd be I'd be impressed to at least see Sid be open about, you know, what was different playing under Tom. Um at the same time, I'd love to hear it from Abby too, because she was pretty uh forthright in an article posted last week in the Rochester media where she was saying she and Tom just you know on on certain strategic moves don't see eye to eye and it sounded like she was okay with that but that was also me reading you know print not hearing her say those things Mm -hmm. okay so my takeaways from today hope Solo's the only one said anything about it so far um and it wasn't what it wasn't anything it It was just it was just Tom is a classy guy he'll be missed right but but Hope Solo didn't say anything. Yeah. I think that in of itself is telling. Oh. 
the absence of a thing can tell you just as much as the thing itself. Right. I mean, it definitely points towards media blackout for players. Absolutely. Uh, it's 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 super interesting. Like the the PR machine that is not U.S. soccer is somehow clicking right now, and it's weird. Okay, Hope didn't say whatever she ever actually had on her mind. Let's let's that's our primary assumption because maybe she really did only have that on her mind, you know, thanking Tom and saying goodbye. Right, maybe maybe she but, was not privy to the other conversations and suddenly she's right. finding out with everybody else. But for conjecture's sake, we start from the assumption that that was some like bland media composed tweet. So, then what would be the reasons why A, she sends that out, and B, doesn't send out what she's really thinking. She has been a little bit more tame recently. Maybe she's, like, mellowing out in her not-as-young age. It's not old age, age, right? In her her early 30s? In her early 30s, yeah. I mean, she could be, but it's... The thing just stinks. The thing just stinks of... of something bigger and and it makes me really want julie foudy to like really sink her claws into it like really get into it and be like i want to find out but i also know she's part she's part of that family so yeah she'll find out and then guess what we'll never know the the details behind it which makes me really want to buy julie foudy a beer and a box of donuts the next time she's in portland no it stinks worse than you know a garbage compactor on the death star it stinks worse than composting. <laughs> you Portlander. <laughs> so, so conspiracy theories abound. We're not really buying into those as of yet. Because, so, so part of the reason I don't want to buy into conspiracy theories is I do idolize these players. And I do, um, you know, I am, a, I, I am like a little kid and, and I, I look up to them and, you know, some conspiracy theories go as far as to be like, Algarv was a move made by the players. And I I refuse to believe that's true. Um, because these... I, I'm wearing blinders. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, they're good people. And and I'm trying not to, to buy into the whole player revolt and, and all that stuff. Because, you know, give, give me one good reason. I want to believe the best of the players, but... You know when I stopped assuming the best of any player? Magic Jack. So I I kind of came around more to the view that they're just human. And sometimes players make decisions that I don't agree with. But it, it doesn't make them any less human. Or it doesn't, it doesn't take away from what they do on the field. I just, I just put each player in two categories, which is their on-field product and who they are off the field. And on the field, they're part of a team, so I support the team. And if they do something dishonorable off the field, well, that's them. And, I mean, of course I remember it, and but I just kind of have to separate the two or else I'll never have any peace, you know? What if Tom really was a bad coach? That is, that is something that people just haven't been bandying about. What if, what if he just didn't ha- have the snuff to coach... USA. That's yeah. Maybe it's like he was used to handling a certain level and dealing with a certain with a certain development resources. with with development. 
Yeah. Like he, and... he, he came from development and, and he was hired, you know, all those press releases when he was hired is he's, yeah, maybe... he's here to develop the women's world maybe... cup champions. Maybe he moved up a weight class and he wasn't ready. That, you know, that, that could also be a possibility. That's something you could read into the comments about management style and not being able to handle this specific team and, you know, the personalities on it. Yeah, because we all know this team has personality. And that's and that's part of what we love. That's part of what Nike loves and Gatorade Although, and all of, all of those yahoos. I will say this. In Australia, he had to deal with fucking Lisa Devanna. You don't tell me there aren't, like, personalities of plenty on didn't, the Australian. Didn't he, like, he... Ban he her? Didn't he ban her for a year or something like that? He told her to go away and get her head on straight, and then she could come back and play. And I think, to her credit, she did that. Right. So, no, she definitely did. But, but so that's an argument in favor of him being able to handle really strong personalities. So I guess maybe in terms of saying maybe he was just a bad coach, yet maybe behind the scenes tactically or something, he wasn't as strong as he, you know, has been made out to be. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we're worth everybody's throwing a lot of shade at players and specific players, and and you know, we're it, it's just giving you another reason to to cheer for whoever you are already cheering for. We don't know anything. We don't. We won't know anything. Um, it's not like they're gonna go like on Ellen and be like, oh, here's exactly what happened. Um, it's not like they're going to go on ESPN and be asked like those hard-hitting questions. It's just one of those things that we have to sit here and go, from our perspective, we all saw the long-term goal of this guy. And he's capped how many players, and he's played all these different formations. But you know what? It it didn't matter. And, and something we learned today in the press conference was it, it fucking does matter. Um, Algarve, Algarve matters. Um, you know, playing in front of 500 people in the stadium, in a, in a stadium that, that is not (laughs) top notch, uh, it, it matters to us soccer. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm now looking forward to Algarve next year because we better win that fucking championship. Yeah. If the Algarve, if Algarve mattered that much to us soccer. They didn't tell Tom Sermoni, because Sunil Galati said he spoke to Tom once since the Algarve Cup, never asked him to make any changes to his approach. It's fucking management, man. If they had a problem with results of the Algarve, either they should have made it clear to him before, unless they just expected to win Algarve, which case, that's fucking hubris, considering the teams we were supposed to play. The teams we play every year. Or afterwards, they dropped the ball and didn't tell him, hey, actually, that really sucked. You need to you need to bring it or else you're gone. Right. We're, we need to see a real... Well, but they... The other thing is, like... Okay, so they say Algarve didn't play a huge factor in the firing. But then somebody else, like... Again, I'm going off of Twitter, so I'm trying to only say things I read from like actual reporters who were on the the phone but um somebody said that Sunil said it wouldn't have mattered had we beat China eight to nothing yesterday it would have made it more awkward but it wouldn't have mattered yeah so then that means that the China win wasn't it it wasn't about winning or losing there right 
and and we and Algarve didn't play that big of a role. Yeah. Um, it was like Algarve results talking to people in on the team, like players and staff, and then like team team goals and stuff that he just wasn't achieving. And he keeps downplaying like the China result and kind of sort of downplaying the Algarve results. So what are we supposed to do but give way more weight to player and staff input? There's there's a third factor in there too. Um, he said they talked to players, staff, and and people around the team. Mm-hmm. People around the team. Uh, I I I believe I read that multiple times today. Yeah. People people surrounding the team. Um. So not somebody on staff, not somebody uh uh on on who's rostered. Um. You know, I I wonder. I'm conspiracy theories will run rampant depending on whoever this new coach is. Yeah. Can you imagine if we woke up tomorrow and somehow John Herdman was the American coach? Could you imagine? Can you you imagine? It would be like Pompeii, like a volcano erupting. Or what what if Pia wants to come back? She's not coming back, dude. She's happy in Sweden. I I know, but I'm just saying, like, like, what if if there's a world-class coach who was like, you know, I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind throwing my hat in that ring. I'm sure a lot of coaches would be happy to throw their hats in that ring. I mean, despite knowing they could get really shittily treated by U.S. soccer at any second. Yeah. Even though he got fired, Tom Sermani was still head coach of the United States. He got them an un- undefeated year. So if he walks into any other room with it under his arm, he it merits serious consideration. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah. Like, where, where, about- where, where does he go from here, though? That is, that is the question. Um, he's, he's... A friend was actually asking me, like, what other top teams are there? Or do you think Tom would go on to coach a men's team? Or do you think he'd go back to Australia? That's the question for the Australians, considering the problems they're having down there. Right. Where the word, where the word mutiny was used, at least by the press. In a, in a very realistic way. Although, uh, Anna Dong from the women's game did point out to me, at least down there, they're having some kind of, like process like a trial whereas Tom just got executed Game of Thrones style. Well it was Sunday night. Yeah. Game of Thrones was on everybody's mind Sunday. It was on my mind Sunday night. I don't even watch Game of Thrones and I What? You don't watch it? Because it's all anybody could talk about. I don't no, I don't watch Game of Thrones. I don't need that like I don't need that obsession, pain and sadness in my life. What? I already have soccer. I love it. I love it. How long have you been watching Game of Thrones now, Gav? Uh, about two and a half weeks. <clears throat> okay, so now Tom is gone. That begs the question, who's going to replace him? Currently, Jill Ellis is interim head coach. She's been interim head coach before, but last time she took herself out of the running for personal reasons, I think. You know, other other names have been thrown out there. We've got Randy from, he's now coaching the Houston Dash. Uh, we have the Teresa uh, coach. Um don't know what his name is because I'm not looking at uh, a, a page that would tell me that. Tony Gustafson. Tony Gustafson. Um, you know, we we have a lot of the usual suspects, uh, a lot of the usual people who were kind of on the the list when U.S. Soccer did this a little while ago, and it's it's interesting um, 
to see who's available and who's not and like how it would play out in the NWSL if Randy got the position or um, how it would play out if Teresa actually can't pay back the government uh, come June and, and that coach is available. Um, but essentially, U.S. women's national team um, has one more game uh, on Thursday night on NBC Sports at uh, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern uh, against China, and then they go on break. Jill Ellis, totally up to, up to the job. I know April Heinrich's name has been mentioned a few times. Uh, Julie Foudy mentioned Tony DeChico again. Um, I think I think that will be going backwards with DeChico. Absolutely, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, he's he's been out of the coaching game long enough, and and we all kind of have a have a sense of the legacy he left there. Um, from my perspective, U.S. Soccer, it's your move. Um, write the ship if you if you thought it was so wrong you better write it um and and you are going to have so many critics next summer yeah whoever gets this job next congratulations and condolences dude because it's 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 a rough position all that pressure and expectation to maintain our american supremacy on the women's soccer scene Supremacy that is is rapidly disappearing as other countries close the gap and have been closing the gap for years. So, but it's yeah, it can't be, go ahead. It can't be easy having like fucking Sylvia Knight in Germany breathing down your neck all the time. Well, and and it's one of those things like yeah, we were we were amazingly awesome at soccer compared to the rest of the world in 1995, 1999, and since then. I'm not saying our quality has gone down, but other countries have caught up. Yeah, you can't be an early adopter forever. Yeah, you can't you can't be perfect forever. Um, if you're if you're an early adopter, then you're on top for like five to ten years, maybe depending on how heavily you you went like if you went all in from the beginning. But after that, the only way to stay on top is to keep innovating. And apparently, Tom was too innovative i mean if we're going by number of capped players definitely oh for sure for sure i mean compared to pia tom was polar opposite which is something i really liked about him which is you know something that made it really fun and exciting to kind of see what he was going to do um yeah a lot of the games were boring as fuck but you know what when you're beating a team seven nothing eight nothing i'm not entertained by that no no, no one's entertained you know, by seeing some, some other team like trudge back into place after every single goal, and they're just kind of determined to get it over with. Right, and and it's it's one of those things. Like the other thing that pissed me off about the media call today was somehow implying that we can't get world class teams to come here to play. That was nuts. Sunil Galati outright saying like, if anybody knows how to get Germany and Japan to play us. I don't know if he just misspoke or like had a little mini stroke temporarily, but that's dude, your fucking person... job, man. That's that's your job, dude. Yeah, like how is any other nation playing any other nation? I think they, you know, fucking called somebody up on the phone and was like, "All right, here's a list of FIFA dates. Here's you know, travel costs and like stadium costs, whatever." What can we make happen, dude? We went to Germany last year. We went to Japan last year. 
um, or two years ago. It might have been two years ago that we went to Japan. But it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, is that the coach's job to line up these international games? Um, and maybe Tom wasn't good at that. Maybe maybe this whole time we've been blaming U.S. soccer for these shit home matches. We should have been pointing our finger at Tom. Although, but that makes no sense, though, because why would any coach, especially in preparation for a Women's World Cup, want to play cupcake teams instead of trying to face the toughest opposition possible? Well, no cause... coach in his right mind would ever do that unless like, his team's egos were so fragile they needed some kind of 10-0 blowout in order to make themselves feel good so they could keep playing. Or unless your team's ego or uh, egos are so so fragile that you need to break records left and right. I mean, this year Canada's playing Germany and Japan. Sunil, like, and they don't have <clears throat> nearly the same resources. Yeah, but Canada's hosting the World Cup. And we need to try to qualify for that World Cup, so why aren't we also facing J- Germany, Japan, France, Sweden, etc.? No, we're like, going to face Mexico a few more times, and New Zealand a couple more, and we might play Canada like 16 more times, too. So I think the, the, point, the point I was trying to make is, it's... No, Tom Sermoni could not possibly be in charge of choosing these nations. Maybe Scotland or Australia, but other than that, like, no, it's it's got to be the Federation, right? I I I would love to see an organizational chart and a division of responsibilities. Yeah, I would too. I definitely want to know who's in charge of picking what games, because I believe that it's yeah the, those. Those easy games are about making money and maybe padding some statistics. You want you want a game that makes money? Have us play Germany again. Have us play England. Have us play a, a game that people actually care about. USA Japan. That game will make money. Mm. So, so at the end of the day, there's nothing we can do. Tom is gone, and U.S. soccer had their reasons, even if they were shitty, weird, mysterious reasons. We will never know the truth. I mean, we might know the truth 10 years from now when somebody, like, releases a memoir or something. But, yeah, in the near future, we are, we're not going to know. So I guess all that's left to do is to wait for the new coach and then keep supporting the team. NWSL starts this weekend. <sighs> Soccer is hard. Feelings are hard, dude. Being a Feelings fan is hard. Um, so this was our special edition uh, to drunk fans, um, we'll be back at some point in the future uh, with an actual episode where we actually are drunk and we actually talk about fun things as opposed to sullen, depressing things like, oh my god, U.S. soccer is smoking crack. Um, until next time, in Boston, I go by Thrace Online. My name is Gabby. I'm in Portland. Have a good Monday night.